journey podcast where, where aspirational people like you get to access the insights ideas and inspiration you need to achieve greater success and fulfillment in your life and work and now here's your host phil croshaw okay neve grierson very warm welcome to the journey podcast uh, just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do Okay, uh, well, thanks for the invite, Phil. Uh, so, my name's Neve Grierson. I am the owner of Assured Health and Protection Limited, a partner of the Sante Group, and I am a whole of market independent uh, broker specialising in employee benefits. So, that means things like private medical insurance, cash plans. Uh, protection policies such as death in service and income protection, things like that. So, yeah, things that really uh, help your employees stay motivated and feel valued at work and obviously protects you as an employer um, for enabling them to be uh, happy and healthy at work. And I also work with individuals on some of the protection policies and private medical insurance. Fantastic. So before we came on air, we were talking quite a lot about a lot of things. We wish we'd hit record, actually, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, one of the things that intrigues me is um, is the is before COVID, during COVID and after COVID. Sure. So what has the attitude towards insurance been? Or what is it now compared with what it was before COVID? Okay. So I started in this industry nearly 20 years ago um, and it was in the heyday of everybody wanting all singing, all dancing, gold-plated policies and could afford them. And then the 2008 crash happened and businesses really were looking at their pockets and budgets and cancelling what was felt to be a luxury product rather than an essential product. And then that's got less and less over the years. Um, but I must say, pre-COVID, a lot of businesses, certainly with a younger employee base, those younger members of staff didn't perceive much value in private medical insurance because they felt that they were invincible. They felt that they were going to live forever. They thought that they could live on statutory sick pay if they even did get sick, but it would be minor ailments that they'd been off work for a week or two and then would come back. So there was definitely that level of thought pattern that it wasn't a valued product. Obviously, COVID then hit and now it's been a huge U-turn and I've got so many companies coming to me with a younger staff ratio saying that those members of staff are asking about employee benefits, they're asking what's available, they're asking what the company has in place for them, they're asking, well, can we have some sort of health benefit because they've either experienced it firsthand or they've seen it through family and friends getting really ill during COVID, which unfortunately in turn then showed up the stresses and strains of the NHS, which we absolutely love. They do an amazing job, but I think everybody will agree that they are so, so stretched. 
it's wobbling, isn't it? I think the, the truth of it is it's wobbling. Um, <clears throat> so do you think then that, um, how do you think things will change then as things go forward, as we move forward now post-COVID? Do you think it'll, it'll go back or do you think it'll stay the same? No, unfortunately, I, I don't for the foreseeable future see any change with the NHS all of a sudden getting better because like anything when something is so broken and it needs to be fixed to actually fix it is going to take not just money which I think people think is what's missing it's just time and filling all of those gaps and that is really going to take quite a long amount of time so just as an example uh sort of pre-covid a lot of people wouldn't realize that there was much more tangible benefits within as an example private medical insurance they thought that you just needed to actually put a claim in before you could get any value out of the product mm -hmm. what they don't realize is that they include as an example the ability to have a digital stroke virtual gp so that was in existence pre-covid then obviously during covid um people were, were not in work and, and just not probably understanding and, and using those insurance policies. But now people are starting to realise that you can actually use that policy to get a GP appointment. Just my own personal situation within the last few weeks, I've tried to access my own GP through their uh, ask my GP app. It took a week for them to confirm that I could get an appointment and that appointment was going to be in four weeks time. So that's five weeks just to see my GP, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, crazy. Um, I'd just like to now go on to talk a little bit about your business journey. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, one of the things that you tend to find is that when people think about or talk about starting their own business, they're in my experience, very often ill-equipped. They're too vested in the dream rather than the reality. Yeah. Um, what would you say are some of the areas that you would put down to your success, you know, in terms of self-confidence, in terms of motivation? Have those been key drivers in your in your journey? Um, yes, in a way, yeah. I know which spurred me on to set up my own consultancy, funnily enough, three years ago. Now it's probably my birthday any day soon, uh, just before uh, the pandemic hit. But um, it, I've got huge self-belief. I know I'm very, very good at what I do. Um, I'm very different to a lot of people out there in that I care about the clients and I care about the actual members of those schemes because essentially I want them to have the best advice and the best value for money. And I know that they will get that from me because I've invested a lot of time in the time that I've worked in this industry in learning. Um, I've got my qualifications um, and I speak a lot to the insurers. I do a lot of reading up on their products. So I'm very knowledgeable of the industry as well, and I know that sets me apart from other people. It, it's such a refreshing thing to hear a Brit 
saying that they have a belief in their abilities. Yeah. And it's no, quite rare, isn't it? It in, is. In, 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 yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I genuinely know I am really, really good at what I do. And luckily, my oh, clients know it as well. Yeah, it's just yeah. clients who've not yet met me don't know how good I am. But when they do, yeah. again, I do. I do have a really uh, loyal group of clients yeah. because they they know I'm so good at what I do. You also have a a natural ability, you have a natural likability. I know we've spoke about this before, yeah. but it's so, so important to have a natural likability. And I think it's fair to say that, and I've said it to you off air, that you seem to have that. Now, I know that you spend a lot of time networking, go to a lot of networking events, which yeah. a lot of people would rather eat the shoes than go to a, <laughs> to a networking event. Tell us a little bit about your experiences of networking and maybe even some of the the good things you see and some of the not so good things you sure. see. Um, I mean, networking, I think it's dependent on you as a person and what you want to achieve out of networking. For me, um, I've done a lot of networking because that's a way that I would uh, meet new clients and hopefully win those clients. Um, I've done, you know, the big popular one. Uh, I'm sure you won't mind me saying the word, but I've, I've done BNI. I did that for so many years. Um, personally, it wasn't a great networking uh, opportunity for me. Uh, I just felt a lot of it was quite forced. And unless you are lucky enough to be of a particular sector with all of the people that you would absolutely be bouncing off and very much aligned with, um, then that's a rarity. So currently I'm doing a lot more independent networking groups. Um, there's uh, one at the uh, Central Bar in Wigan that's a much more relaxed end of the last Friday of the month. It's all business owners and um, it's just a much more relaxed. There's no structure to it. It's just people in an environment talking to each other in a room, which for me is very important because I think if you actually get to know somebody and talk to them, then you're befriending them first and foremost, which for me is very important because of what I do. People have to trust me. Um, but also for me in a relaxed environment, you're going to get not only the best from yourself, but I think you get the best from other people. Um, how, how important then is, is patience in the process? Because obviously, um, we're all up against it. Yeah. You know, we all want more leads. Instant gratification is the way, is the way the world works. Yeah. Now. Probably driven mainly, mainly partly, or at least mainly by Amazon, you know, delivering them in an hour oh, almost absolutely. now in Manchester. <clears throat> um, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that in terms of the, the 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 pressure one might feel to get more leads in? Yeah. But then people can smell desperation, can't they? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I fully agree. Um, I think networking needs to be um, not. I wouldn't say a slow burner, but I definitely think you're not going to turn up at a networking event for the first time and then present yourself and what you do and expect if there's 
15 people in the room that 10 people are going to immediately come to you, fawn all over you and want to give you their business. Um, Because what you've got to understand is those people in that room probably might already have another contact and another relationship with somebody who does a similar thing to you. So it needs to be definitely about getting your personality across showing people in the room that you can be trusted, uh, probably opening yourself up by giving them more referrals than you expect to gain back yourself initially. And then it will start to come. You will realise that the networking, if you're in the right group with the right people and you have reacted and behaved in the right way for that group then you will get a return on that investment of your time yeah i saw saw an an interesting article actually about a guy i think it was a guy actually in america who was one of the won awards for the best it was in insurance actually yeah and he had a strategy which i thought was absolutely fascinating he never tried to persuade anybody to go with him yeah what he said to people was can i be your second choice yeah in other words <laughs> when there's a cock up and let's be honest it's usually when yeah in the realities of business yeah. and the complexities of it um can i be the person that you come to to to, to talk to when yeah you have a need because somebody's let you down yeah and I thought it was a very, very interesting, disarming approach. Yeah. Because I think one of the things that people really hate is the idea that somebody's trying to persuade you yeah. to go from that to that yeah. when they hardly know you. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. Yeah. I fully agree. Certainly in an, in in a room of networking, I think it's uh, definitely something where you need to just be with like-minded people mm. and if that takes you a couple of sessions at the same networking group, um, and that's quite likely that it probably will, um, look for a warm face in the room, look for people that you know that you might have seen somewhere else, or obviously take people up on the invite of being taken to the networking, because then at least you know you're going to know one person in the room. We we grew up, didn't we, with the idea that people buy people. And we have this huge, massive digital situation that's yeah. happened over the last 20 years yeah. or so. Do you think it's still as true as ever that people buy people? I know my people buy from me. I know my people buy me because of the actual lengths that I go to to go over and above what I know they will get from their previous contact um so i absolutely definitely think that um but again that's gonna come down to what exactly you do and how you do it so i'm very much about all customer service my clients speak to me all the time i haven't diluted my offering yes i've got people working with me and working with me in the background but it's always me at the center of what the client will be experiencing it's always me that answers their emails it's always me that helps them with a claim it's always me that does their renewal so that won't get diluted And therefore, I do have to have that instant gratification, which in turn does mean I'm working really hard. 
But I knew that when I set on my journey to set this business up and I must admit, I knew it would be hard work, but some weeks I'm working seven, seven days a week. You know, some weeks I have to log in on a Saturday, Sunday, some days I'm working till 10 o'clock at night, but that is what you have to invest when you're setting up your own business. Yeah, we would, I talk a lot actually about the need for sacrifice in order to, to achieve success, which is very, I know, quite a cliche. But um, when you look at it, is that one of the key sacrifices you've had to make yeah. in, in your business to be different, is yeah. to be there when people want you and not nine to five, as yeah, it were? Yeah. yeah, no, the biggest sacrifice that I've made, which I didn't realise until I'm on this journey, is time and I know people will say you always have to make time for yourself. But whilst my business is all about customer service, um, I do feel that I've definitely made a sacrifice in time in that I probably am working more evenings and I am working weekends. But I believe that that will in turn help me build this business to be far better and far greater which is clearly why I set out in the first place. Mm. Um, you know, equally, I knew there was a gap for clients having somebody like me who does go back to the old school of picking the phone up, speaking to them. I don't hide behind emails. So to, to finish off then, put you slightly on the spot. Go on don't then. worry, don't panic. Oh, Not God. in a big way. But put you on a slightly. You know, I, I would say um, when I look back to, we've not known each other for very long. No. But I, I felt a certain affinity to you very early on and it was just because you were pleasant and you were chatty and all the rest of it. <laughs> uh, that's my excuse anyway. And um, uh, one of the things that, um, as I said, that you do a lot of is the networking. Yeah. So putting you on the spot are there any tips or hints or a little bit of advice that you could give to somebody yeah. about networking? Let's be honest, a lot of people would rather eat the shoes yeah. than, than network. Yeah, so yeah. Um, just share with people a few little tips or thoughts that you've got about networking and how you can get more from the experience. Sure. Well, personally, I approach networking in that, yes, Eventually, I would like to do business with people, but I enter the room to find like-minded associates. So whether that be somebody like Phil, who I know is such a great, fun person to have in the room that lifts the mood of the networking meeting, which let's face it, they can be dull as dishwater if you're not in the right one. Um, so I would now class him as a really great associate if not friend, through to just finding somebody in the room that you feel comfortable with, whether they've got bright coloured clothing on that day or whether they dress the way that you think, wow, they're a snazzy dresser and therefore they've probably got a great personality or even just somebody who's got a big beaming smile. Leave, uh, align yourself with those, but also when you're asking for referrals, be specific. Uh, there was an instance this week where I was at a networking event called the BFG at Bolton Stadium and people were asking for um, affiliate 
companies that they wanted to work with, but they weren't being specific. And uh, because everyone was getting told off, I got my phone out and I quickly Googled and I was like, right, accountants, HR companies are really great, like-minded companies for me where I can make a, a, a sort of a big hitting difference with their client base. And I just Googled uh, the top HR company in Bolton and uh, I asked for a referral to them specifically by name. There was then an, um, there was then a, a business expo downstairs. We went downstairs and I got talking to again, uh, an associate and literally the next ex exhibition exhibitor to them was that HR company. So you have to equally believe in some sort of divine intervention. But if I hadn't been specific and Googled that company, I wouldn't have then realized that they were one of the top HR companies in Bolton for me to be wanting to connect with. So we then got talking. I told them that story and they absolutely loved it. Right. Okay. Fantastic. So how do people get hold of you then, Neve, and find out more about what you do and who you are? Okay. So um, I can be found on LinkedIn um, and probably because I'm a talker, not a typer. Uh, if you want to call me on 07963 171 280, that's the best way to get hold of me. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Neve. Very interesting. Thanks oh, for thanks, joining me. Thanks, Phil. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.